Welcome, Mr. Yakub. Thank you for coming on the CEO of You podcast and inviting us to your beautiful place. Thank Marie you Sanders. very much for taking your time out and coming and visiting me. Thank you. Only down the road. Because I'm bored. I'm always bored at work. No, I'm joking. I'm always, busy. I'm always busy. But thank you very much, you know, for coming out, giving me, giving me your time. Taking his glasses off now because I feel a bit... A bit what? Intimidating. Right. Yeah. I'll probably intimidate you guys. <laughs> Nah, because they're shiny. These actually, they do two things. So they turn into sunglasses when it's a bit warmer, and they're actually reading glasses too. So oh, oh, two in one. Yeah, of course, man. Two in yeah, one. That's, wear them in one, so, yeah, that's some expensive stuff. <laughs> that is some. I've never seen two in one glasses like that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where they from? <sighs> Tom Ford. Tom Ford. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> no, but you can buy the frames from anywhere, wherever you want, and then you go to an optician that you know. And then they can change the frame. Into oh, yeah. is that what you did? Yeah. Oh. Okay. So I do with all my glasses. Serious. Yeah, that's serious. All my glasses are two in one. Okay. Respect for that. You know what? I, I knew this guy was busy from when we came in, and someone said you're having a, a meeting in the conference room. I was just like, "Raw, this guy don't stop working. Don't stop. He don't. Stop. I never stop working. Uh, I, you know, I, the moment that I wake up, uh-huh. five a.m. That's when my work starts, and. Mm. Just before I go to bed at about 11, 12 p.m. or 12 a.m., that's when my work stops. That is crazy. So I'm literally working, you could say, uh, 14, 15 hours a day. 15 hours a day. But does it even stop? Because I could imagine that mad times in the morning, someone's calling you. It, it doesn't stop, no. It doesn't stop. See, my phone now, that... I've got a team around me now, which is good. I don't need to attend to every single phone call myself. Mm. But the people who have my phone number from before, uh, they know me personally, they will call me. They don't hesitate to call me no matter what time it is. Okay. Do you ever get them surprise phone calls from like someone that you know gives you number out and be like, yo, this is his, this is his number. Give him a call here because he'll definitely answer. I do get them ones. And it's quite annoying because sometimes people phone me for stupid stuff like literally mm. stupid stuff somebody's robbed my dog or somebody's uh, assaulted my partner you know stuff like that and i'd be like you go to the police man true, people don't true. understand <laughs> the role of a criminal defense lawyer we only defend uh-huh. so if you get assaulted you need to go to the police facts facts <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. true you know what i mean you can't come to me and say i've been assaulted mm. because i'll probably end up defending the person who's gonna who's assaulted yeah <laughs> It's true. You're a defense. Yeah, You're a defense true, yeah. So what's so what's one of the weirdest phone calls you've had? Just based on phone calls. Weirdest one. The weirdest one where you've like, yo, why have you called me for that? <laughs> no. <laughs> recently, yeah. Recently, I had a phone call when this guy who I know personally. He's a young kid, he's a young lad. He met me at, at an airport years ago. He took my phone number and then I see him now and again. Uh, what he did, he phoned me and he said, late at night, 11, 11.30, I'm in bed. Calls me, uncle, uncle. I go, what's up? Because I've just been kicked out of my house by my uncle. Mm. I go, and? And I thought he was going to come on to here. Then we end up fighting and I hit him and now the police are looking for me. And st- I thought something like that's going to come now. He's kicked me out and he doesn't let me go inside my house, his house, to pick up my stuff. What shall I do? I go, look, you need to phone the police. You need to phone the police and say you need to collect your stuff. 
because kicking you out of his own house is not illegal, mm. but him keeping your stuff might be illegal, even though he hasn't taken it illegally. He was in, but he does not giving you back. So what the police should do for you is go there and make sure you are safe whilst picking your stuff back up. That police can do that. But anyway, that was very weird. I thought to myself, then I had to stop him as a nephew. You phoned me once before for a similar kind of thing. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and I told you that I'm just a criminal defense lawyer. I mean, I can't phone your uncle up and say, let him into your house. I can't do that. Sorry, man. I wish I could, but I can't. I mean, if it's a personal phone call, it's different. I mean, if, if you say you need help or if you say you want to talk to me. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I talk to people about life as well. It's not just about law. I have people coming into my office. Sometimes it's not about work. And they say, look, we just want to see the guy for five minutes. We just want some advice off him. Not about legal criminal law, but just general life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I said to the kid, I go, look, if you want normal advice, just phone me, man. And get normal advice. But phone me during, you know, decent hours. Don't phone me half 11 at night. I'll be annoyed. Mm. It is what it is. But then again, at the same time now, I can't get too complacent because back in the days, if you go back five, five years, just say four or five years, mm-hmm. I used to get all excited when my phone used to ring. Why's that? <laughs> I used to get excited. It's going to be a client. Yeah. Oh, yeah. New client. <laughs> Do you get it? So times yeah. change. You can't it's be changed. so complacent. And so when I receive phone calls, I'd be I'd just, it's natural. I mean, to me, it's natural now that I think, oh, who's this? And mm-hmm. I look, oh, what are they phoning me for? And like, but then I just do a flashback to a couple of years ago, and I think, listen, I used to be get excited when my phone used to ring. So what am I doing, man? God's watching. I need to calm down. So I'm going to calm down. Keep it away. You know, I always wondered. I always wondered, how do people contact you when the case is serious? Did they always come in or did they call first? They always call. I mean, just say, you know, if people, depends how they get to me, to be fair. If they get to me through someone they know, then they will ask that person to phone me first and oh. then say, okay, like I've got some people who are coming down from Dewsbury, they wanted to come today, but I told them to come tomorrow now. A mate of mine from Birmingham called me and said, I've got mates in Dewsbury who are mm. trying to get a hold of you and it's difficult for them to get hold of you through the office. They've given them appointments for two, three weeks away. It's quite urgent. Can you see them? I said, not today. Mm. Uh, but I can see them tomorrow for you because it's you. Mm. Yeah. So, but what I say to everybody, don't try to get hold of me. Not in that way. Don't because if you're gonna try to get hold of me, by the time you do get hold of me, it's gonna be too late. Your case is going to be already in the system. It's gonna be hard to transfer over and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, if oh. you get arrested, just say Morris Andrew solicitors. Straight some, up. some straight away somebody will attend, and that's the easiest way to get hold of me. Don't you, don't you feel like it would be easier if you just changed the name? To what? Ahmed Yacoub Solicitors. Because then when they say you, that's basically who they'll go for. So you, ne- you never change your winning formula, do you? Mm. Sure still. Don't change. fix what ain't broken. Exactly. Don't fix what ain't broken. So this name, although when I took this firm over, it was winding down. Now it's one of the biggest names in the country in terms of criminal law. So you can't change it. I mean, I don't know what difference it'd make if I call it Ahmed Yacoub solicitors. I don't know. So for the people at home, who mm. is Maurice Andrews? Maurice Andrews is my ex-boss. Okay. <laughs> is my ex-boss. So I used to work here. Yeah? Yeah, I used to work here. I heard that you used to work for free. I did used to work for free, yeah. <laughs> How long and why? Why? Because I saw an opportunity. 
and I didn't want to get comfortable and get that little bit of money and just be comfortable and forget about my dreams, if you get what I mean. Okay. Mm. So when I qualified as a solicitor, I walked in here and I said to Maurice, I want a job. He said, look, I'm winding down. I don't need no employees. I got no money to pay my existing staff. I grabbed his hand and I said, listen, Maurice, I've not asked you for money. I'm working here and I want to work here for free. He goes, why would you do that for exactly what you said? I said, because I want to learn. I'm young. Now's my time to learn. I can earn later. Mm-hmm. That was my mindset. And plus, when I spoke to Maurice, the first 30 seconds, I knew what his intentions were and his intentions were to retire. So I saw opportunity there. I thought, if he wants to retire, why can't I step in? See, as a young kid, I thought like that and I thought to myself, someone else would have thought, yeah, if, if he's retiring, he's going to give his fame to somebody who's already working here. Mm. But no, when I spoke to Maurice, yeah. <laughs> he gave me the impression that he's not happy with his current staff. Yeah. He gave me that impression. Not not directly. Okay, okay. But okay. the way he was talking, I can't afford them. They're all waste of time. Why would I want someone else? I thought, okay then. This is me. <laughs> this is me. Uh, so yeah, I saw an opportunity and I took that with both hands. So how how did you survive if you were work I'm guessing you were working here full time for free. Hmm. So how did you feed yourself? How did I feed myself? How did you live? One week would be you. One week would be you. <laughs> One week you'd be another person. A couple of days you'd be someone else. Twenty pound, thirty pound, forty pound. Like that. What did your parents say? My parents. Yeah. My parents were very supportive. To be fair, my my I come from a wealthy family. People don't. Oh, I don't. I don't know. People, I don't, people don't know this, and people <laughs> seem to forget. I come from a wealthy who are very wealthy. For, sorry, I come from a family who are wealthy and they're in business and I could have easily worked for one of my dad's businesses or one of my family members' businesses. Mm-hmm. But that would have, again, it go back to my point, it would have got me comfortable. Last thing I wanted to do is be comfortable. I wanted to be uncomfortable. I wanted to make noise. Yeah. I didn't want to just be someone who's just working and just phase away because a lot of people... The whole life, all they do is work, pay bills, and when they turn 60, 70, they can't really do nothing after that. They don't have no energy to do anything. So I thought to myself, I've got energy, I'm going to do something, and I'm going to take over. I'm not just here to take part, I'm here to take over. Mm. I'm here to make the game mine, mm. which I did. I find that crazy <laughs> that you had that mindset, because, yo, if I, a lot of people that come from a wealthy family, they probably just think, oh, I don't have to do anything. Could just work for my dad, work for my cousins. And live a good life. What made you want to... I still don't understand. Exactly. It's the ambition, man. It's the drive. It's, I didn't want to be known as just my dad's son. I wanted my own recognition. Okay. So was that like the real fuel to your engine? The real fuel mm. to the engine was that. I didn't want to take a handout. I didn't want anybody, whether it's my dad, whether it's my brother, even though, of course, my dad would never say it to me. My brothers would never say it to me. But turn around and say, remember when I done this for you. Remember when I done that for you. <laughs> Mm. I had to borrow money to do my legal practice course. How does that work? What? A legal practice course is something you do after your degree, yeah. postgraduate study. I had to borrow money to get that done. Okay. okay. How much was that? £9,500 at the time. Damn. So I borrowed that money. That was one debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got that out of the way. 
then of course I was at a different firm uh, when I was training and when I was a trainee solicitor I was mistreated there it's just down the road uh, I don't want to go too much into you very badly mistreated mm. and that goes back to your point about why did I work for free because I had a lot of lot of people to prove wrong mm. and hadn't I done that I would not have been in this position today I could have gone and walked into any high street firm at that time mm. and got a salary of like three thousand pound or three and a half thousand pound and slowly gone up yeah after five years you're gonna get a raise yeah <laughs> you do good you're gonna get a raise uh-huh. forget that stuff i didn't want to do that i wanted to be that person who gives the people the salaries that's what my mindset was and when i walked out my old place to be fair i chatted quite a lot before I walked out and I walked out it wasn't on good terms and I said to my ex-boss I go you're going to eat your words I'm telling you because you're turning around and saying I'm useless and I can't do this properly trust me I'm going to have the busiest firm in Birmingham he turned around and mentioned a few names to me that were quite big in the legal profession at that time mm-hmm. and he said do you think you can compete with these people what were the names I can't say I can say, of course. Why, why can't I say? I can say, yeah, Balbir Singh. Okay. Rizwan Pasha. These guys were big lawyers at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, do you think you can compete with these guys? I said, no. You don't get it. These guys won't be able to compete with me when I'm up and running. You don't know me. You only know me for one and a half yeah. years. You don't, you've not known me for all my life. You don't know my network. You don't know what I'm like, brother. You are just taking me as a little kid who's just working here. And someone who you can brush under the carpet. No, I'm not that, those who, I'm not made from that cloth. I'm made from a cloth that they don't make it anymore. I'm cut yeah. from that kind of cloth. Mm. I'm different and I want to make noise. Uh, he didn't believe me, he laughed. A lot of people laughed at me, you know, them days. But he laughed at me, he laughed and I walked out. I walked out, I said, okay, see you later. So he was the biggest person you was trying to prove wrong? Him. Him. Yeah. Has he contacted you since? He's my friend now. Huh? Oh? How yeah. Did, how did that? <laughs> so when, when I left that place, it was on bad terms. Yeah. I came here, I stopped working and stuff like that. And it was all good. Can't go so down yeah, he's my friend now. So when I left that, when I left him, it was on bad terms. Mm-hmm. Back and forth, we were arguing and stuff like that. At one point, at one point, Arthur is going to get physical. Oh? Yes, because one thing is, I can't, I don't think any man can, can stand disrespect. Mm-hmm. Most of the people who have been convicted of murder, of serious assaults against people, serious injuries, mm. it's all been down to people disrespecting them. And it happened at the heat of the moment. The, most of these people, they're not even violent like that. But they end up taking somebody's life. Why? Because they have been disrespected to that level that they can't control you anymore. They have to react. I thought it was going to get physical at one point with this guy. But anyway, Alhamdulillah, with the help of Allah, he didn't get physical, which, which is good. Because there are no winners in war. There are no winners in war. I would have probably got arrested. He would have got mm-hmm. injured. Now, I'm assuming I would have won the fight. <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming I would have won the fight. Yeah. But he probably could have got better than better off me. Could probably could have got better off me. Yeah. I can't throw my hands a bit, but he probably could have got better off me. You don't know. I could have probably ended up in hospital. He could have been in prison. We don't know. But there's no winners in fighting and war, I don't say. If you want to fight, you should fight professionally in the ring. 
which is hard to do. Trust me, a street fighter going to the boxing ring gets annihilated. <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. But so I left, I came here, and for a few years I didn't speak to him. Mm-hmm. Then I took the fame over. I sent him a text. I said, "Come and visit me," because I worked there for two years, and I told, I think I must have bumped into him about a year later, and I said, "Look, I'm in the process of take, taking over Maurice Andrews." Mm-hmm. I could see that cheeky, sort of sarcastic grin on his face that mm. this guy don't know what he's talking about. I said, okay, don't worry, give me, give me a few years. I never said that to him. Talked to him, head, give me a few years, mate. Don't worry about it. I'll see, I'll see you again in a few years. When I took over, I texted him. I said, come down, you know, have a look at my office, it was, which was like a construction site. I wasn't really too proud of it, but I was proud of it. That, yeah, I've got my own yeah, place yeah. now. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't care about the way it looks. So I've got my own place now, so this is my baby. Gonna nurture it now. And then after a couple of years, I started doing very well. And um, I met him. Mm. I met him. Perry Bar. He was shopping. One stop. Uh, no, Pack Supermarket across the road. Pack Supermarket, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, big supermarket. Yeah. I wasn't shopping, he was shopping. And I was just, I happened to drive past. He was outside with the shopping trolley. What car was you in? Uh, I was in my Lambo. <laughs> 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 Not what? this one. <laughs> oh, different one. Different one. Okay. Yeah. And, um, oh, sorry, I was in the G-Wagon, you know. Black, it was black, it was oh. black. Oh. <laughs> black, it was black. Sorry, 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 it was black. So I was driving past, I saw him, so I stopped. Out of respect, not to show him my car or anything. He knows what, what I'm about anyway. Everybody knows mm-hmm. what I'm about. So I stopped and I spoke to him. I said, how you doing? Go. Uh, he said, I'm all right. How are you? I said, I'm fine. Can't complain. Alhamdulillah, with the help of Allah, I'm good. And he said, you're doing well? I said to him, I told you I'll do well. What did he say? And he laughed. You know, <laughs> that laugh was more of an acceptance laugh. Like saying, you, did oh, wow, you, you proved me wrong. You did it. You got me. Then I turned around. He goes, what, what's your plans then, Mr. Yacoub? I go, well, I've achieved the plans that I said I'm going to achieve when I was at your firm and I left. I've achieved them, alhamdulillah, but it's just a start. I'm going to take over the UK. He goes, then he turned around and I said, you know what? You can do anything you want. Shook mm. my hand and he walked off. And then he invited me to his house. We had food together, and uh, we became friends. Not not friends, but we're, we're family. Yeah. Like he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Whatever he did or said was in a professional working environment. I mean, I don't like being bossed around. I don't like being given orders. So mm-hmm. clashing of personalities. That's all it was. So yeah, I didn't t- take it personally. To be fair, then when the podcast started coming. When he started hearing that I'm talking about a few things that happened at my old workplace, he called me again. Uh, this, this was a long ago. <laughs> this was a long ago. Not long ago. He called me and he said, <laughs> my friend, I go, yeah. And he said, now you're a big shot lawyer. These, these were his words, not mine. I'm, I'm, I always keep you humble. Mm-hmm. Now you're a big shot lawyer. You're a celeb. You know everybody, everybody knows you. But remember, Couple of years ago, you didn't know anybody, and you were just a young kid who was working for me. So when you're saying stuff about me, you know it gets to me. I responded. This was on the phone. I responded it. I go hello. You tell me any word 
or anything I've said is a lie, come to my house. If he is a lie, I'll give you 100 grand right now. <laughs> tell me if it's a lie or not. If I've, I've told a lie, you tell me, and I'll give you 100,000 pounds. I'll put this, I even said this to him, I'll go record this conversation. Because I will give you, if I've lied, I will give you 100,000 pounds, mate. What did he say? He goes, but we did have, he never answered the question. He said, but we did have good times as well. Well, I never said we never had good times. I'm just telling the truth of how I felt. I felt very degraded. Mm -hmm. But it was a good thing because he gave me the motivation to go and do my own thing. Otherwise, I would have been your pet all my life. True. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, good on you. You gave me motivation. But don't do that again to people because I'm telling you, it's some people, someone like me, I will allow it, but it's still there at the back of my head because... It's just there, isn't it? It's just there. So every time I see him, he will come back. But I don't. I wouldn't want to do anything about it. I wouldn't mention it because it's gone past. I'm gone past that now. See, I was listening to uh, Tate that day. Funny guy. I really like him. Mm -hmm. He said, "If somebody wants to fight me, what do I do? Get richer. If another person wants to fight me, what do I do? Get rich. Like I said, fighting don't solve things. So." If somebody's got a, got a if, <laughs> if somebody's got an issue with you, what do you do? Go and get rich. Go and get successful. That's it. Done. That's gonna burn them more than you hitting them. More than an argument. More than you winning an argument. More than you winning in a, in a whatever it is altercation. Whatever you're doing, go and make something of yourself. That's gonna be a slap on their faces. Mm. That's worse for them. You know, mm. especially if they're wishing bad for you. Some people actually wish bad for people, which I don't get. I always wish good for people. I would never see anybody and think, why has he got that for? Hope he loses that. Why is he successful? I hope he fails. The Lord is watching. When you've got craftiness in your heart, the Lord will not let you get to where you want to get to. Trust me on that. Thanks. You have to have a clean heart. You have to be happy for everyone. If somebody's doing good, the Lord has blessed them with that. So, are you going to go against the Lord now? Doesn't make sense. If he's given something to somebody and you're jealous of that, you're jealous of the Lord then? So, my mind frame is always better yourself. Don't look at what other people are doing. That's you know an amazing what? story. Facts. Amazing story. You like it? I liked it. I liked it. I liked it, <laughs> I liked it man. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, your mindset's different from how it was when you was younger, right? Of course it is. Because I did, I did some research, found out that you was arrested. <sighs> Who told you that? It's <laughs> <laughs> not one of the previous podcasts. Yeah, but <laughs> Look, I've been arrested before. I was a bit of a naughty kid. I'm not going to turn around and lie. It's the truth. I'm, I'm, I don't regret my past. Uh, I was, I can't say I was a school dropout. I got thrown out of school. They told me to go. So I never dropped out myself. They told me to go in year 10. Man, I had no choice. What was the reason they told you to go? You know, we was on all our, on our last warnings. All my little crew, I used to have a little crew in Wait, wait, Aston? Uh, nah, we was in Great Bar. Great Bar. Perry Beaches. Perry Beaches. Guys, always been a bar. Yeah, you at Perry Beaches. Yeah. What were you as well? Nah, nah. I, I, got, I got a friend who at Perry Beaches. Mm, it's called the Arena now. Something's changed now, isn't it? The Arena, yeah. is it? So I was there, and we had a little uh, crew. Because that school was um, predominantly white people, 
sorry, that school was predominantly white people and black people. Uh, and we were the minority at mm. that time. I don't know about now what the figures are like, what the numbers are like now. So mm -hmm. we had a little crew of all us Asians, you know, about 13, 14, I think 14 of us in the end. But it was okay. We used to, you know, be okay. We used to, you know, we can handle ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, so our crew, all of us won the last warnings. Every single one of us. So which means, last warning means, you come into late, you're getting excluded. Oh, whoa, is that, is that Yeah, deep? you miss a day with that explanation, you're getting excluded. You talk back to a teacher, you're getting excluded. You get a detention, you're getting excluded. So it was all on the last warnings. But me and one guy, another mate of mine, were the only ones that didn't last, we never lasted. So we got caught, uh, when it used to be raining, Mm -hmm. We never used to be allowed out. We got caught going out, basically doing nothing. Really, it was not, not major to get kicked out, but it was an accumulation of a few things, like not a few things, a lot of things over over that year, probably, or yeah. over since we, since year seven, and so they got fed up in the end. When the GCSEs years came, they got fed up, so they wanted to get rid of all the trouble causes, and they looked at me as one of the trouble causes. But really, I was the one. Who, I wasn't. I wasn't a trouble causer. I just. I don't know, I'm a bit different. I, now I've changed, but back then, if somebody had a disagreement with me, I would like to prove my point now. I, I don't care. As you said, get richer. No, I was about to get say, richer. Just get richer. I, nowadays, I don't care. If somebody says to me, two plus two is five, I'll say, yeah, you're right, you know, and I'll walk off. So <laughs> <laughs> make yeah. them feel better about themselves, but. I don't care nowadays about people's opinions or what people think uh, anymore. And I don't care if, if I'm having a discussion with somebody, I call it discussion because I never get into disagreements with people. I don't mm. have no time or energy to get, because that requires energy, doesn't a it? A lot of energy yeah, when you start To have a disagreement it. with somebody or an altercation with somebody, it requires a lot of energy. And I don't have the energy, I rather channel the energy towards something that's going to benefit me, towards my business, towards my family, towards my kids, towards my friends. Mm. The people mm -hmm. who are actually benefiting me. If I, I'm having a disagreement with somebody, I don't care. Like I said, if you think you're right, you are right. You know, that be so be it. You were right. I'm going. Bye. See you later. So if I'm having a discussion with somebody 15, 20 years ago, I would probably sit there for a couple of hours and try to prove my point. But not worth it. Not worth it. Is it? Is not yeah, worth it. a waste of time. It's a way to start do potatoes, get rich. Mm. <laughs> I also did some more research. You wasn't always rich yourself. I uh, wasn't. Heard you was in overdraft. I was in overdraft, you know. How much by? I was broke, you know. At one point, I was broke. I heard this overdraft and I said, oh my lord. <laughs> yeah, we said so the numbers and we was like. So mm. listen, let me tell you now. This is a proper rags to riches story, isn't it? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah means with the will, will of Allah. So basically, in 2016, when I took this firm over, October 2016, 2nd of October 2016, I officially took this firm over. Mm -hmm. I never had a single penny. Of course, I've just bought this firm. I had to pay Morris, and I had to borrow that money from people, friends, and family. Mm -hmm. So I had no money. So Lloyd's Bank, it was Lloyd's TSP at the time. Yeah. They both were together. They gave me a £15,000 overdraft on my account. Now, that overdraft, I had used 
£500 of that overdraft. So I had £1,500 left, and now we are in April 2017. I had staff to pay as well, a few staff members at the time, I had them to pay as well. So I thought to myself, at that point, I sat down. I wasn't in this room. I was in the room that's the reception now. That's the only room that we used to use in the office. Mm -hmm. The rest wasn't worthy of being used. I was sitting there at one point, and I thought to myself, you know what? Whatever people were saying that my fame's only going to last for six months, they were probably right. This is hard work, man. Doubted yourself. For that minute. Then I thought to myself, hold up. What are you doing? <laughs> You're the soldier of Allah. You know, something will happen. Uh, you know, at the back of my head and my heart, I keep thinking... He will sort it out. The Lord will sort it out. He wouldn't bring me into this world and make me have all these dreams and not make them come true. No. No way. Because the Lord himself says, if you take one step towards me, I will take two steps towards you. If you walk towards me, I will run towards you. Mm. So at that point, I'm fully functioned and fully focused on the Lord and what the Lord can do and what the Lord will help me with and the Lord will help me with not doubting it it's good he's gonna pull me through no matter what he's going to pull me through he wouldn't have put me in the deep end if he was going to drown me he's going to save me mm. because of course i mean like i said i could have got a job i didn't have to do all of that but i had thoughts in my head and th those thoughts came from somewhere didn't they they came from above so I thought to myself, no, he wouldn't let me do this. He wouldn't let me put me in the deep end and just leave me and say, okay, bye-bye, drown now. No, the Lord loves me. He's going to help me. So I died myself for a minute or so. And I thought, no, 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 I can't be doing this. Get up. Got up. And alhamdulillah, with the help of Allah, I got a case. April now, we're at, yeah? yeah? April 2017. I got a case with eight grand. Mm. Boom. So 13 plus 8. Now I'm almost getting into zero. I'm almost getting into zero. But that's the last struggle I've seen. That that was That was the last struggle. That was the last struggle. I've, since then this just Since then what happened? The funds got bigger. Bank account got bigger. The more clients. More clients more money, more blessings. The Lord blessed me beyond imagination. The Lord has blessed me so much. Now he's using me to bless others, mm -hmm. which is amazing. When the Lord uses you to feed somebody else, now that's success. That's success. Forget anybody can feed themselves and their family. No, everybody can do that. A real boss is someone who makes sure everybody around them eats properly. That's a real boss. Mm, and if the Lord blesses you that much that you are able to feed other people, mm. you don't need nothing else. Mm. I will say that since we've came into this building, all the staff member people around, you can tell everyone's like a massive family unit. All Happy kind on. and polite, even to us on the, on the yeah, way in, yeah. offering us food, do we need anything? I can say you've got a great team and people around you. But, I want, but one thing you keep... It wasn't always like that. It wasn't always like that. Nah. To be fair, we, we do know about that one employee. <laughs> we do know. Yes, it's let them, let where, them is know. It? Where, where is it? Where is it? No, where is it? Where are they gone? They took them out. 
Yeah. Anyway, it's okay, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to let them know? <laughs> it wasn't always like that, I'll be honest with you. When I took this fame over, first of all, Morris's old staff used to look at me like, who's this kid? Oh, yeah, because they were still They here, were still looking here, and they were like, you know what? They were being rude to me, the, the, proper, like, you know, I could see the hatred, I could see the negativity inside them, thinking to, they're thinking to themselves, you know, we've been here for 10, 15 years. Do you know that none of them still work here? No. No. They're all gone. And uh, they were like, I know they were looking at me like, who's this guy, man? Mm-hmm. Where's he come from? What's he done? And they were all trying to fill Maurice's ears against me. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, the way Maurice was with me, I knew Maurice. I've got a very good, I, I have got a very good trait, which is making friends and getting people on my side. I could do that. I could do that. Mm-hmm. Influence. So, but exactly. So, by that time, I knew Maris, it doesn't matter what you say to him. Maris is mine. You can say whatever you like to him. It doesn't matter if you know him for 15, 20 years. It doesn't matter. Sometimes people who you know for one year can have better intentions for you than someone who you know for 20 years. You can't measure loyalty with time. Mm. Somebody could know you for a short period of time and be more loyal to you than someone who knows you since childhood. Trust me or not. So they were all filling Morris's ears. I was like, okay, no problem. And when I took over, there was this one woman here. She, I don't want to mention her name, but she was a big woman, but her ego was bigger. I mean, physically, she was a very big woman. But her, <laughs> ego, her ego was bigger. <laughs> she couldn't stand me. What was, what was some of the stuff she did? Like, she'll shout at me. And I'll be like, I'm the boss here, man. What's wrong with you? Oh. And I'll tell her, like, just say, I'll simply just text her. <laughs> like, there was a case, murder case. I said, let him know that. Don't give him any advice. Leave that to the barrister. What did you think I was going to do, Mr. Clever Clogs? Oh, you know, oh, stuff like that. And, me. and I thought to myself, hold on, man, you know, you're meant to be working for me. Yeah. You know, uh, even though I'm not one to belittle somebody, but I was like, you're meant to be working for me here. I'm not working for you. Anyway, I still didn't ask her to leave. She left on her own accord. Okay. She just got up one day and she goes, I'm going. You can't use my name as a supervisor anymore. I was using her as a supervisor. Let me tell you how that works. Because I wasn't three years qualified. You have to be three years post-qualified experience to open up your own law firm to be a director or a partner in a law firm or a supervisor. So she, all of a sudden, when I've still got like a couple of months left, she turned around and said, I'm going. Take my name off the supervisor. Where are you going? So what did that mean for you? That means my firm could have closed down unless I never had a supervisor. So who did you get? The main man, Morris. Ah. Morris. Your staff is doing this to me, you know. What's up with you, man? Yeah. He said, what? Don't worry about it. Put my name down. Put my name on supervisor now. I go, okay, Maurice. You're a I love that guy, you know. Yeah, shout out, Maurice. Shout out, Maurice. Shout out, Maurice. Shout out, Maurice, man. Come on. <laughs> Proper guy. One time he says to me, yeah, I done a statement upstairs. Came down to reception. I gave him 90 pound for a statement. And I said, yeah, Maurice. He goes, where did this come from? I go, client gave you. I done a statement for him upstairs. He turned around and I said, Mr. Yacoub, you're an honest man. I go, what do you mean? I'm an honest man. Because you just giving me this money. I go, it's your money, it's your office. What do you mean I'm an honest man? 
Because when you get your own stuff, you know what I'm talking about. And now I know exactly what he is talking, was talking about. I was literally about to say, the fact that he said you're an honest man from that just shows the people that was around him. Around him. That is How much crazy. negative people, dirty, mm. craftiness around him. And I knew, as soon as the transition period happened, I knew what he was talking about. Mm. All, riff, all riffraffs around him, rubbing from him, doing all sorts. And I was feeling bad within myself. And, but I'm doing it wrong, but I, I feel bad. You can feel that, that energy around you. Gosh, a dirty, nasty energy, man. So, anyway, uh, she went and left. There's another guy who we spoke about before. <laughs> Him, that guy now, with that guy, yeah. I have that guy out, you know. He came to me. He was 30 years old. He said, I work in Birmingham City Council. It's a dead-end job. Uh-huh. I've got a daughter to feed. I'm willing to take a pay cut because I want to advance in my career. I've got a law degree. I've got no problem. I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going to get paid. And I'm going to make sure I qualify you. That's what I'm saying. So some people, for short-term pleasure, they forget about long-term goals. So what he did was him and that woman got very friendly. Mm. And she took him. So I, I knew what happened in the end. He made an excuse. He said, I'm going to... He said, I'm going to Tesco's to get biscuits, and he never returned. Later on, they started working together. Now they've both fallen out as well. This is what I've heard from the streets. And I, I heard he's still driving his Fiesta, the blue one with the messed up light, the 2006 plate one. But it is, well, it's up to him, isn't it? He could have been driving a Lambo right now if he's stuck with me. If you went through that little bit of hardship, that's what I'm saying. You have to be prepared to get uncomfortable mm-hmm. for a few years. To let her be comfortable forever. Do you get it? He couldn't be uncomfortable for a year or two years. It's not even that. It's and other thing as well. When people say, when you think the grass is greener on the other side, it's not. Yeah, it's not always green. But she must have. She mm. must have put in his mind. You do nothing here, man. What you getting paid? Minimum wage, thousand pound. I'll give you eleven hundred for the hundred pound. My man sold his soul. Do you know what I mean? So did she go out and start an o- her own firm? Yeah. And how's that firm doing today? Don't even know what the name is. <laughs> <laughs> so what was that guy your first, one of your first employees? That, that guy I brought into the firm whilst I was still in the transition period. So while you were still struggling? Whilst I was still struggling, I still... And you, and you still offered him a helping hand? Yeah, man. He would this have been I don't, so nice right now. He's burning right now. This is what, exactly, he must be burning. Look, it's, it's not my fault. I won't help you now, but it's not my fault. You got offered, you got offered, you lost the opportunity. I met someone the other day as well, who used same position as that guy. But at the time, I could not pay my staff properly because I had no money to pay them. But I told them, hello, you're all young. Just struggle for a bit. It'll pay off. Mm. Him, I seen him. He's working in some petrol station. Minimum wage, probably just above minimum wage. Stuck with me for a couple of years. My staff members are driving Lambos, man, and Ferraris, man. You send the cars outside. Yeah, man. we see yeah, the cars. Yeah, my staff, man. I don't have to go into where I'm driving. Alhamdulillah, it's all from the Lord. But you have to go through a bit of hardship. Then the ease comes. Mm. Facts. Facts. I just want to ask you. I'm currently reading you the book. You can ask me anything. <laughs> I'm currently reading the book saying what's called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And you certainly know your way how to win friends and influence people. But with the team you have here, what are some of the skills you need to operate such a successful operation? Skills you need is your team have to be happy. 
how you do that? Show a little bit of appreciation. If somebody's drinking good, you say, you know what, you've done well. I like that. That's principle number two in the book. Yeah. I'll buy everybody lunch when I don't need to. Every now and again, I'll say to what you having, what you having, order. What you having, nothing, no, no, it's for you guys. You go order. Pay and table card, pay. And just a tap on the shoulder here and there. that's it really. See, my team around me now, they're all young. They all mm. want to be like me. Mm. <laughs> and I wish them luck, you know. Hopefully they will get, <laughs> my, get better than me one day, inshallah. With the help of Allah, they will do it. Anything is possible. So they all want to learn and they're hungry to learn right now. So the team I've got around me now is wicked, man. The best team, I would say. No, they are all amazing. hungry, they all want to learn. I've got a good office manager. Mm. I don't have to be involved in the day-to-day -day running of the office. So I'll come in, I'll do my thing, and i go. Simply like that, basically. Perfect. So I want to know about your cases. What's one of the most disgusting cases you've ever witnessed that you've had to take? I think I've mentioned this one before on a podcast. So remember when I said that woman texted me saying, you leave the advice to me, Clever Clocks. Mm. Yeah. It was a murder case that I was talking about. This murder case was basically, it was Morris's client. And it just basically during that transition period, October 2016, maybe September, it could have been September 2016. So during that period, this case came. So it was, this came with me during the transition period. It was a case of murder. Mm. Murder, attempted murder, arson with intent to endanger life, rape and strangulation. Wow. This guy had just come out of prison mm. for a rape, mm. sexual offense. I think it was a rape. He was, something was wrong with him mentally. And he wasn't feeling well or something like that. He was. He went to a hospital. He was treated by a nurse. Mm. He liked the look of that nurse. I think he did. He, after his treatment, he's waited outside the hospital and followed the nurse home. And he found out where she lives. So the next day, he can be seen walking on CCTV with a big ladder, holding a big ladder on his shoulders. He's gone to this nurse's address nighttime, climbed up the ladder to her window, jumped in. She's sleeping now. So he's grabbed, grabbed some tights, hair tights, wrapped them around her neck, raped her, and they just strangled her to death. With the noise, her mother's come upstairs. Strangled her too. And raped her, I think. Then he set the house on fire. The nurse herself was unconscious, obviously. She was dead. She couldn't go anywhere. But the mother managed to call the emergency services and managed to get out. So she got out. I didn't know what to do with the case. At the time, I was like, oh, wow. And so you, you, you was defending, defending that guy? I was defending that guy. Defending? Oh. I was defending that guy. How, Unfortunately, how does that affect you morally? 
at that time, I, I didn't know what to do. That's why I sent that text to that woman saying, listen, let the barrister deal with this one. Because I don't want no involvement with it, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I get you. That's why I text that woman and she said, you leave that to me, clever club. But anyway, uh, I had to get him to plead guilty, isn't it? That's so first of all, I got him tested mm-hmm. by a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist, yeah. And uh, I think I got him tested from a psychiatric, I got him tested from a psychologist, all sorts of tests, whichever ones they are. I made him do them. And it turned out that he was fit enough to plead. He was fit enough to oh. stand trial. Oh. That's what the psychiatrist said. So I said to him, look, you have to plead guilty now, it's done. So he's doing life. How long do you get sentenced for? 30 years, I think. And I'm guessing he's already been in prison, so how old, how old was he? Like 30, 40? He was 50 plus. Oh, he's 50, yeah. He's, he's going to die. His, yeah, he's done in there, so yeah. that'll be real. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, what went through his head, I don't know what. And for the report to come back that he's saying, I don't think that guy was saying. No, no chance. I don't think he was saying that at all. How could somebody just come out of prison and do the exactly same thing a couple of weeks later, man? That's gonna couple make of me weeks. A couple of weeks. Yeah. That's gonna make me sleep with my window closed, bro. He's not saying that guy wasn't saying. I just, I just want to ask you because, like, just from hearing that story, that's mentally challenging. So I could imagine you probably had similar cases, maybe just as worse or on similar levels. How does that ever affect you, or does it ever affect you? See, we have to kill our conscience as criminal lawyers. If we let everything affect us, then we won't be able to operate. It's like going to a doctor, and mm. if a doctor is going to perform surgery on you, if he gets nervous and his hand starts shaking when he sees blood, he won't be able to perform on you. Mm. So if I make, or let, sorry, the word should be let, every case affect me, I won't be able to operate, but and my clients won't get yeah. 100% service then. Sure. Have to kill our conscious. But you say kill your conscious, but surely, there comes a burden where it weighs on your conscience morally because there's only certain amount of stuff you can see and defend where it actually goes against your, maybe your ethics. Of course it does. I mean, a uh, couple of uh, years ago, a member of the English Defence League mm. came yeah. for me to represent him. <laughs> and he was charged with racially aggravated assault where he's called... I don't want to say the word, N-word, to a black male. And a a lot of other things as well, not just that, you get it. There was a march in Birmingham city centre a years ago, quite a few years ago. A few of them were arrested. I don't know how this guy managed to get my details and he came. But I had to tell him to go, man. I go, no, he said, I'll pay you. Take your money, man. Get out of here. I, I didn't know you actually refused clients. Of course, I could refuse any clients I want. Oh, I thought it said to say your name, that... No, no, nah, no, 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 no. Mm. See, at that po- point in time, in terms of the police station, yeah, we may have to cover it, because they've, they've asked for us, so we've okay. got a duty, we have, to, we have to cover it, we've got a duty. But after that, it's up to us whether we want to take a case on or not. Okay. I've refused loads of cases. What's some of the biggest ones you've had to refuse, or you're like, no, I'm not getting involved with that? Murder. Mm. I refused a murder case because my client lied to me. We was in a police station cell and uh, the police were attributing a certain phone number to my client and they were saying that this phone number is heavily involved in conspiring to murder this guy. And I said to the police at the time, how are you attributing this number to my client? They said, we won't tell you. They held back for disclosure, which they can. They can, they can do it. 
it's, it's the well within their rights to hold back disclosure as long as they've given us ample disclosure to have an effective interview. So I've gone into consultation with my client after receiving this information from the police and I've given the phone number to my client and I've said to my client, do you recognize this number? Is this your number? He said to me, I don't have a phone. I said, who won't have a phone in this day and age? Are you okay? He said, yeah, 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 I'm fine. But I had a fight in the city centre a couple of weeks ago when my phone was robbed. And the police know about this. So I go, couldn't you go to your provider and get a new SIM card and get a new phone? That's what I would do on the same day, most likely. I think you would do it. Yeah, yeah, on the same yeah, day, you yeah, do yeah, it, innit? Yeah, yeah. Need a phone? Need a phone, innit? <laughs> right, right, cool. like, I've lost phones before, so I've just bought a little Nokia. And put a SIM card in there and start using it. Like you said, you need a phone. You need yeah. a phone. He doesn't you have need a phone. Communication, yeah. isn't it? Unless you're going to buy them pigeons and write letters. Or something. <laughs> yeah. That's different. So he said, I said, I find it very hard to believe that you don't have a phone. Sorry, but I find it hard to believe. Mm -hmm. He turned around and said to me, million percent. I swear on my mom's life, I don't have a phone. I go, are you sure? I'm going to ask you once more time. And trust me, I'm not no, none of these lawyers that are going to hide, you know. I'm going to say it. And I'm going to put it down in a statement and I'm going to read it in the police station interview, mate. And this is going to stick with you if you get charged and go to trial. Are you ready for that? He said, he used to call me uncle. I don't know why, a lot of clients call me uncle, the young ones. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, uncle, I'm being million percent sure. I go, never mind uncle. You ain't going to see uncle for a long time if they're right and if you're wrong. He goes, nah. I said, okay, nephew. You're going to come home with me then. If you're telling me the truth that this phone number, you don't know, you don't know about any phone number, and you don't have a phone, you are going home with me in my car today. So I was kind of gassed. I was happy. I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to make a video. I'm going to say, my client was wrongfully <laughs> arrested. My client was wrongfully arrested for murder, and yeah. the police attributed the wrong phone number to him. What are they playing at? Yeah. What are they doing arresting people for murder for no mm -hmm. reason? And I was on that flex. I was thinking, yeah. It's going to be a good video, man. <laughs> we've seen the videos. We've seen the videos. You've seen the videos? Yeah, we'll this would have been top-notch. Because imagine that. My client was wrongfully arrested for murder and I took him out within a couple of hours. Back. You know, sounds good. <laughs> but it never happened. And let me tell you why. When we got to the interview, the police officers asked him, so Mr. X, we, we're going to... Um, we're saying you're involved with this murder. We're saying this phone number is involved with this murder because there was loads of communication during the day with this phone number and the shooter, the alleged shooter. And then right after the shooting, this number gets a phone call uh, again from the shooter. We're saying this is your phone number. Of course, I'll put that in a prepared statement now. I've already read the prepared statement out to the, to the police mm -hmm. saying this is our phone number. Mm. You've got it all mistaken. You've got the wrong end of the stick. This is not us. You're wrong. You need to go arrest somebody else. We've already said that. I've already said that. I've already said that on his behalf in a statement. We're saying this is your phone number. And we're saying this is your phone number because this phone number was used to insure a car. You know whose car it was used to insure? Yours. You know. Who introduced themselves on the phone to the insurance providers? You. So he was like this, he started looking down during the interview, so I knew the police got one over him. Then they said something else, they said, not only that, not only that, 
this phone number has received calls from your mom, your dad, your brothers, your uncles, pretty much your own family. There's only one person in your family that hasn't called this phone number. You know who that is? Your grandma. And you know why we think that is? Because they live in the same house. She doesn't need to phone you. I said, stop the interview, please. I need to speak to my client. <laughs> I need to speak to my client. So listen to this one. Man. So I said, uh, in the consultation now, back here, police have gone out, spoke to him. I said, what happened? Guess what I turned around and said? He goes, I smoke cannabis. I go, what? What's that got to do with you murdering somebody? Because no, that's what I told you about my phone number. I forgot. I forget things. You forgot you had a phone because you smoked cannabis. You're having a laugh. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to say to him, you know what? I'm done from here. Wish you luck, but I'm gone. So when he went to court, he got a hung jury, by the way. I've kept in touch with the result. He got hung jury, which means the jury haven't made a decision, which means he's going to have a trial soon. But one thing is for sure, the jury are going to hear that this guy lied in the police station interview already. Yeah, he's done for, man. So what makes you think he's not lying now? Yeah. That's always going to be on the mind. Done for. Yeah. Done for. Have you, have, a, have you had any cases where you've, like, represented them and they've been convicted, probably worse than expected, and they've started to cry or just looked at you or loads you can't win them all I had a case it was a sexual case a couple of years ago where the client my client was accused of grooming this two young girls mm. accused accused is the key word accused or alleged alleged to have groomed and raped these young girls. Anyway, when I was with my client and speaking to him, he told me, on this date where this girl is saying that I raped her, guess what? I was in Pakistan with my family. I said, okay, have you got any proof? He said, yeah, I'll have duty free receipts. I'll have a copy of my old passport. I'll have everything. I'll even have a copy of the ticket. What about like, the family say he was there with them? They could have said that as well. But if you got proper solid evidence, it's better. Isn't Receipts. It? Mm. Come on. Receipts and I'm stuff free. like that. I'm a free you, man. Can get, you can get it. You can get the flight information eventually. It takes a bit of time, but we can get it. We would have got that as well eventually. Anyway, so we're going to court. There's two victims. One victim said this because she's meant to be baking a cake or something for her grandma mm -hmm. on that day. So that's why she knew. Bear in mind, the rapes were historic. They were saying historic. So the police have to ask him, How do you remember? So they turned around and said, oh, we remember because it was our grandma's birthday at the time and we had to bake a cake. And the other victim, she said that it was, uh, I don't know, I can't remember the full facts, but I think uh, somebody died, her dog died or something like that during that period and it was a very stressful time for them and this happened as well. So that's why the date was relevant. Because they know the first thing a defense lawyer is going to ask them, how do you remember all of this stuff? How do you remember the date so accurately? Yeah. How? Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. you go, you go. 
I can remember things I did 10 years ago, but I won't remember the day unless it's my birthday or unless it's somebody else's birthday that I know like that. True. It's it's true. That's very true. true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Significant events. Exactly. So I've basically, uh, we went to court and we managed to prove that one victim was lying. And the stories were so similar. It's like they sat together and wrote the statements. Two different girls, <laughs> two different times being raped. This, it was like they sat together and wrote these statements against my clients and they knew that he's innocent, but they want to send him down. Anyway, they said that we don't believe one of the victims, sorry, we don't believe one of the victims, the court said, and they threw one of the cases out, but they still kept it, they still kept the case going for the second victim and he got convicted, he got 11 years, man. 11 years. 11 years wow. and I'm more than sure he was not guilty, man. He did nothing. He shed a tear. I felt sorry for him, but I said, look, I tried. He, he never had no, no, no bad words or anything, no hard feelings for me or my fame or my, my, my legal team. He had nothing like that in his heart. He said to me, look, you've tried your best. It is what it is. Am I allowed to ask what piece of evidence it was that got him convicted? There was no... I repeat, no proper factual evidence. It was the girl saying it, and that's it. And, I mean, and was he was there like was he a man of skin or anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what so were the girls? Brown one. And what color were the girls? White. Mm. I mean, it's uh, it's always like that in sexual cases, isn't it? Mm. It's always Nine just out of ten, it's, like Nine it's just a voice against. Just recently, a girl called Eleanor Williams, a nasty piece of work. She got eight years in prison because she accused three different people of grooming her on different occasions. And it was found out that she was lying. So in the end, she went to prison. Eight years she got. But she could have... There's more. Tell me. She should have got more. To put man down for life. There you Ruined go. Three different lives. And, and she got, she one, guy, one guy got Packy Rapist written on his front wall. Yeah. One guy was on remand. Sorry, two guys were on remand. One of them was white. I don't know the other guy, but two of them were remanded. The brand guy was remanded for a bit, then he got bail, but he got packy rapists written on his wall, and he's, that's with him for life, done. You don't forget that ever. Of course. Nah. And the people around there, they're gonna automatically be thinking they've done something. The general public always, always think that, even when somebody gets arrested, they think he's done something. <laughs> they don't understand. Mm -hmm. People could get wrongfully arrested as well. People could get arrested in cases of mistaken identity. People could get, you know, arrested and get found not guilty. There's loads of possibilities, but when you see a right one, a couple of right ones on your road, you'll automatically think this guy's done something. I mean, it's normal. I probably think the same as well. We see loads of police. Someone's done something. Blah blah blah. But yeah, you know, innocent until proven guilty. Isn't it? I always hear that the justice system always, I don't know what the right word is, the racist. Talk let's, to let's, me, man. let's put it that way. The justice system's racist. How do you feel about that? Is that true? Institutional racism is everywhere, my brothers. Mm. And uh, not just the justice system. I mean, I can't say the justice system uh, is racist, but there is a lot of racism in the UK. I am currently on a murder case which will be concluded, or the trial 
is going to get derailed by the time this podcast comes out, so I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's a murder case. It's at the Old Bailey, the highest court in England, Central Criminal Court in London. In London. My client is a young black lad of 17 years old. 17. And he's been accused of killing some Albanian. But that's beside the point. The jury have been deliberating now for two weeks. Deliberating means that the jury are making a decision whether my client is guilty or not guilty. And they've been doing that for the last two weeks now. The case is finished. Hmm. On Friday, a jury member came up to court and told the judge that four people, four people in that jury panel have mentioned the N-word about this young kid and about others in the trial. Mm. And when my barrister told me that, I was like, wow, 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 wow. See, that's what I'm saying. Imagine putting your life in the hands of a racist. They're going against you straight away. Straight away, man. I feel how, is, how is that even allowed? In fact, how, how, like, how do they even get on the, te- the, the jury to, if they like that? Like, is there no because checks? Because it's a random, isn't it? But don't, don't they just reselect once they hear about that? Even though you No, have to go now what's going to happen is, now what we're saying is, no, this jury is not allowed to make a decision about our client. I would be saying the exact same thing. Yeah. So, you, you're going to have another trial. Mm-hmm. A whole other trial. I we think have I would have rather have a whole yeah, other that's trial. that's what I was going to say. You have to have another, it'll be, it'll be, look, it's, it's, trial is a very testing and tough time for clients, but I've told my client, well, look, you'd rather get found guilty and get life, or we have another trial with a fresh jury. I'm not comfortable with cutting on with these guys. I can't do it. Four of them, man. How, how many? How many? Is twelve there? people. Yeah, twelve, yeah, twelve yeah. people are in the jury member. So you're talking one third of those jury members are racist. One third, and that's in just one case. So there's the answer. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Mr. Q. We've got two last personal questions. One from him and one from me. I've actually got a different question. Still. You've got different got different yo, yo, I want to know about police informants. <laughs> Because <laughs> I've, o- <laughs> <said, "Ooh." laughs> I've only seen I've only seen those in like um, movies. Yeah, movies. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, series. I'm telling you, I've seen loads. <laughs> seen I've seen loads. Did, did they come to you? I see them in the black courses in Handsworth. Oh, forget them. Know. Forget them. See, informants and undercover <laughs> police officers are two different things. So if you've seen someone in an undercover thing, they're just undercover police officers. Informants mm. are people like you and I. That is mad, isn't it? That is informants are people like you and I. That got normal jobs, doing normal stuff, but working for the police for backhanders. My client last year, I seen him from London on a video link. He goes, Mr. Cube, I used to work for the Met, the Metropolitan Police. I go, what do you mean? Because hmm? I used to pay, they used to pay me for information. I said, okay, then, because we're onto a winner now, watch what I'm going to do to them. Anyway, I had everything prepared, all the arguments prepared. I was going to go in hard and say, look, this guy's an informant. Get him out of there. Why? You can't have the best of both worlds. You can't make somebody inform you and then lock them up as well. Mm. You can't make somebody an informant and snitch for you and get other people locked up and then get him locked up as well with those people that he's locked up. That's a recipe for disaster, man. Is that what they try to do? Of course, of course, he's going to bump into somebody who's gonna who he has locked up in the past. These times he's working for them as as yeah, yeah. So so I said to him, I go, look, we're on to a winner. You leave this with me. I've been looking for something like this for a while. (laughs) This time when you made a video, I wanted to make a video. I wanted to, but I couldn't again. 
Again, there's loads of situations that happen. I think, yes. That would have been a sick video. Sick video. But I think they got to him before me. Oh. I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but he had a change of heart after a few weeks. He goes, no, mm. I'm pleading guilty. Mm. I'm putting my hands up to it. Uh, I just want to get it out of the way. I don't know what's happened, man. Behind the scenes, I don't know what they've got to him. Either they've threatened him, offered him a lot of money, or said to him, listen, just stay quiet. We'll take you out after a couple of weeks. Nobody's going to know anything. That could have been as well. Mm. That it could have been that as well. But he was a informer. He's told me this. That is crazy. So one of my final questions, basically something like that is, what's some of the shadiest stuff you've seen in the back room? Not something I've seen, but something I've heard about. Mm. Okay, go on. Go on. There was a, a young lady who was doing work experience here. Okay. Yeah. And she told me something that somebody else... Some, that happened to somebody at her workplace. Her workplace, all the workplace, was the CPS, the prosecution. Mm-hmm. And I asked her a question, what do you, what, what, what do you want to get into defence for? Prosecution or good, you don't like it. She, did, she said, it's not about liking. She said, one of my mates was on a case once, one of my associates, murder case, and that murder case, the, the defendant was putting forward a defense of an alibi and he had CCTV to prove that alibi mm-hmm. he requested for the CCTV his defense team requested for the CCTV from the police my friend's supervisor got that CCTV and he showed that person was somewhere else at the time of the murder and his statement or his version of events is correct Imagine the supervisor, this is what I've heard, I don't know whether it's true or not, mm-hmm. the supervisor shredded the CCTV in front of that girl's face. I don't know whether it's true or not, but this is what I've heard. Mm. The guy's doing life. Stuff like that's doing happening. Mm. He's doing life. Wow. Wow. The police have a function, is to investigate. The prosecution, their role is to prosecute. They're sending you down. Regardless, Regardless, even if they even if they feel that you're innocent, their job is to get that conviction. That is not. Have a job. Is the bright side. Have a job. Regardless, if I feel if you're guilty or not guilty, it's not up to me to feel. It's not up to me to voice my opinion. My job is to provide a good defense for you, and if that means you're walking out of court not guilty, so be it. Have a good life. Great podcast. That was a great pod, man. I'd like to thank you, Mr. Yuku. Thank you very much for inviting us down. Thank you very much for your time, you good lads. And um, for your time, man. We'll um, hopefully see you guys broadcasting mm-hmm. a huge TV channel in the future, inshallah. Inshallah. Just before I go, I would like to say remember, there's a defense for every offense. Beautiful. <laughs>